So there are times when we are inspired, and then <clears throat> what to do next is not a question. What to do next is obvious and powerful and clear and produces results and is efficient and joyful. And then there are times when this is not the case and inspiration is not present. M many times we only speak from um, those times when we're inspired, or we only speak about what to do when we are inspired. And I want to talk about the times when we're when inspiration is not even in the in the realm of consideration. It's like totally absent. It's, inspiration has vanished as if it never existed and um, it's impossible to get from here to there because in my experience in my life that's you know about half the time about half the time I'm inspired and half the time that word doesn't even make any sense to me and for me to pretend like um, my life is above the line and empowered and inspired um, all the time would be a, a misrepresentation of what's true and um, you know human beings are human beings so there's some similarity between what goes on for me and what goes on for other people so I'm, I'm making that assumption that um, what I'm talking about is is um, makes sense or has some relationship to your life or other other people's life. And I want to talk about the phenomena of of the of the absence of inspiration from um, um, the alchemical technology technology point of view. From the point of view of alchemical technology, which is the, which is the um, point of view of Camp Two, it's in, in terms of this model of above the line and below the line. What we're looking at here is a a um, formula or a technology for um, moving from below the line to above the line when even when um, a, the place called above the line is invisible. So what I want to begin with is by saying that human beings are awesomely creative. What that means is that um, if you can look at your life and decide whether this is true or not, but what I'm going to say is that 
I'm going to make this statement or assume that, or actually declare that um, in our life, as, as men and women in our life, what we have is what we want. What we have is what we want. So that if we wake up in the morning and feel mad or sad or depressed or scared or sick or disempowered or resentful or um, just lazy or, um, you know, feel like we're made out of lead and, and all the batteries are dead or if regardless of the state whatever that state is what that state is is exactly what we want so what we what I'm saying here is that um, it's it's a it's powerful to assume that um, no matter what the situation is around us or no matter what the situation is that we're experiencing internally, it is exactly what we have wished for and that we have in fact created this for ourselves. Just exactly like this. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's identical to, it's perfect for what we need, for what we, what we want. And when I say this, um, you know, part of me wants to say, you know, my own experience, when I'm experiencing something like this, I, um, I go, oh no, this isn't what I want. You know, I don't like this. I don't like feeling powerless or, you know, small or resentful or um, like a victim. I don't like feeling like a victim. How can you say that? How can you say that this is what I want? Um, <clears throat> so, unless you have realized the truth of, of the statement, what you have is what you want, unless you have um, ruthlessly inspected your internal mechanisms and with re in relationship to the world and have seen the um, the truth of that statement then you've got a choice now either you assume it um, just for the sake of continuing reading this article or um, you Or you perhaps can right now do uh, an experiment and uh, assume that it's a true statement and um, proceed as if it's true along the way, holding um, the knowledge that it's still just an assumption for you and that um, you're going to be testing along the way to examine the, the validity of the statement. 
but in either case, um, um, it's really required for you to inspect the internal workings of your psychology and your mind to the level or the point where you recognize that what you're dealing with is really an, an, a kind of unconscious machine that only creates that which supports the survival of itself and keeps things under control. When, when you begin to, um, when you've paid enough attention and tracked and um, like sketched or memorized or um, made a map of your internal environment to the point where you begin to recognize its boundaries and recognize that there are patterns that repeat themselves and that you begin to recognize that you never really go outside of those patterns, then you'll begin to be coming face to face with what we refer to as the machine. And the further you go in your um, self-knowledge or your understanding of the mechanisms of this internal machine, the um, more, more clearly you will recognize that your entire life is a manifestation of, or a creation of this, of this machine or more clearly stated, it's, it's limited by the assumptions of the machine, where it's only, your life includes only that which the machine allows you to include. And what that means is that every thought you have, or every move you make, every feeling you have, or emotion, or every, every memory that you remember, every perception that you experience, every, every sentence that you state or every, every statement you make are a direct, directly created by this machine and are limited to exactly the limits of the machine. It's like, the, it's like your life or who you are is bonded who you, who you conceive of yourself to be is bonded to the machine at a cellular level. It's like there's a one-to-one -one correspondence between, the, between you and the machine. This thing is a machine. And, there, and from that experience, you know, from that, um, from that setup, there is no way out. And all of the talk of um, all of the talk of anything other than that, of the domain of possibilities or above the line or creation or invention or magic or all of these empowered concepts or all of these um, alternatives to the machine that I'm talking about, none of those are in truth available to you. 
and um, because because um, because our natural state is this is this state of identification. What that means is that who we think we are is this machine, and we have no view of ourselves or no experience of ourselves as being other than the machine, and even this concept that I just said, even this viewpoint, can be included in the, in the domain of the machine so that we think that we have free will, for example, or we think that we have choice, or we think that we have power, or we think that we have um, um, an ability to, to um, create. We, th we think all these things, um, but, they're, but those terms are defined by the machine so that, um, in fact, they are all included in the machine and, and, and we are um, completely, it's a closed system. So, one of the fun little um, traps um, from the machine is that um, that there are only certain spaces allowed by the machine to um, to exist or to ex to be experienced, and um, we think, well, um, you know, to be a proper sort of new age person, we're aware of this idea of being here and now, being being ourselves in the present. Well, um, so when we wake up in the morning and we're not inspired, or, or during the day we get into a place where we're not inspired and we, and we um, are, are in this state of lack which is lacks inspiration, and we remember this phrase, well, just be here now, then um, if the here and now is, uh, um, if, is it, if it's smaller than the machine, if the machine contains the here and the machine contains the now, then um, instead of having that be an experience of um, inspiration, what it is, it's a, um, a continued experience of, of um, the machine world, and in fact is just a little trick the machine plays to produce um, gross emotional indulgence and a, um, it's a way the machine has of Proving that that uh, it contains the entire world that makes the consideration of being if, if limiting your your um, possibilities to the here and now that makes that part of the trap. It makes that um, and there's no doorway 
doesn't produce a doorway or it doesn't uh, um, it's it's contained in what the um, what we call an infinite do loop an infinite do loop is a computer programming term and in a computer the computer only can execute one instruction at a time so it, it, it executes instructions very quickly millions of times a second but but it can only it can only execute the instructions one at a time so in a computer program uh, when a programmer makes a mistake they will inadvertently create what's called a, an infinite do loop and that would be a set of the simplest infinite do loop is a set of two instructions like somehow somehow one instruction directs the computer to go into this do loop and then once it's in the do loop there is no way out so the instructions would be instruction A is it's bad and nothing else is possible and then the next instruction is go to instruction A go, you know, line B says go to line A and line A says it's bad and nothing else is possible and then line B says go to line A so all it can do is go around and around and around and it doesn't matter how fast or how many times the computer repeats this loop there's just no way out of it because there's no instruction that says um, that, that will take the computer out of it. It gets stuck in there. So this is a state of non-inspiration. <coughs> we could think of it as like a tar pit. A tar pit is uh, in Los Angeles in California. There were um, some great um, pools of thick, oily tar that would um, bubble to the surface of the, of the land, kind of a swampy area, and would sometimes get covered with uh, rainwater or spring water, and when an animal would come and be thirsty and want to get a drink of water, like a mammoth or a saber-toothed tiger or a um, kind of a wolf dog, they would, um, you know, step into the water to drink from the water, and as soon as they stepped into the water, um, three, four, five inches under the water was tar, and their foot would get stuck in the tar. So after um, after um, struggling, you know, another foot would get stuck in the tar, and a third foot, and pretty soon they would, they would drown in the water and the tar, and that would be it. And their perfectly, bones are perfectly preserved in, from, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of years of, of being in the tar. So, um, wh what I'm talking about in terms of below the line is a lot like a tar pit or an infinite do loop where once you get stuck in there, there's really uh, no way out. And this, this talk or this, this talk is about um, creating for yourself a way out. So what I'm saying is that if you find yourself in a state where there is no inspiration, then 
this is a state that exactly what you want, that you created it, and um, you know, if I'm in that state, this is what I have created. I'm, I want this because this is what I have. And what I'm really saying is, if I have this, then this is what I'm totally committed to. This is the, my commitment to being in the tar pit is greater than my commitment to anything else in the world. And um, when I say I, what I'm talking about is the machine at this point. But when I'm identified, I'm in this, when I'm in the tar pit, I am in the state of identification, which means that I think that there is nothing other than me, that there, uh, the, the machine, that, there, that um, I think that um, who I am is the machine, and the machine includes all that there is, and that, that there's no other possibility for me. So that's what I mean by identification. So when I'm identified with the, with the machine, and this is what I am 100% committed to, that, that it is the most important thing for me is to sustain um, this experience of the tar pit. Is to, is to keep going around and around in the infinite do-loop. And that what is happening for me, like my actions or my feelings or my situation with the other people in my life where so-and-so is doing this and this and it's the same old story and it's always like this and I'm the victim and I'm powerless and, or I'm mad or I'm scared or whatever the thing is that this situation is the only possible solution to what's happening. There's no other way, there's no other environment, there's no other situation, there's no other um, opening, there's no opening for anything else. This is the only possible solution to this situation, is what's happening right now. And there's nothing else visible to me, there's nothing that I would consider um, as an option. There's no other options. And it's, it's like being locked down. It's like um, being trapped in a, in a uh, you know, padded, locked, padded cell. It's like... Like, we have forgotten the rest of the world. We have forgotten all of our experiences that are other than this. We've forgotten any other, um, any other times. We've, forgot, we've just forgotten the rest of the world. We've forgotten everything else. So I would call this a state of amnesia. Amnesia means to, um, amnesia usually occurs, it's like a medical term about the mind, and it usually occurs when a person is um, um, hit in the head with some kind of a, an accident, or has, or perhaps has a uh, stroke, or a blood clot, and it forms in the blood vessels in the brain and blocks off the blood flow to certain parts of the brain 
and the re- the result is that a person is unable to remember, and in particular, they, there are there are examples of people not being able to remember their name or remember who they are or where they live or um, anything about their life or um, y- you know really there are many examples of people experiencing what's this state of amnesia. So really I'm referring to below the line this of, of being in the tar pit of, of being in this infinite do-loop uh, as a state of amnesia, of forgetting, of not being able to remember. So what we're looking for, then, is for a way out of the infinite do-loop. We're looking for a way to re-remember. So um, what we're looking for is, is a way to be responsible for having created this state of amnesia for ourselves and um, include that that whole manifestation of the machine, the whole state of amnesia, which is a manifestation of the machine, as um, and be responsible for that. Like um, we're moving from a place where we um, have no possibility of remembering anything other than what's contained in the in the limited view of the machine that sustains the machine to to including um, something other than that or from a previous time or from from a bigger ex- vaster experience a more inclusive experience a time when we can remember or um, begin to remember again which is um, the opposite of amnesia, or the cure for amnesia, the cure for forgetting, it would be remembering. And the word that we will use for that is called anamnesia. It's the opposite, or the cure for amnesia, which is how to re-remember. And our assumption is, is that um, we are not only the machine. That's that there's another possibility for us, but um, and even in those times when we don't remember this, it's still true. So the the question is, well, how do we get from this state of amnesia to the state of anamnesia? What do we do? And we're totally locked down into the limited viewpoint of the of the internal infinite do-loop of the machine. So, what I'm proposing here is that what you do for yourself, that you, as a member of Camp 2, make it a practice to create for yourself um, a, a series of what I'm calling reminding factors or disinhibiting factors.
you can only create for yourself a disinhibiting factor that um, triggers your anamnesia. You can only do that when you're not in this state of amnesia. You can only do that when you are um, above the line. You can only do that when you're not identified with the machine. So one of the primary objectives when you are not identified with the machine is to make it easier for yourself or more um, to, to um, facilitate um, accessing the state of not being identified with the machine, of, to make it um, m more straightforward or more um, simple for you to move from below the line to above the line. That that's one of your objectives when you're above the line, is to set up a situation for yourself and in your life and, and set up different situations or different um, methods or tools or systems or to set up situations for yourself where when you are when you are identified with the machine and below the line that there are there's what's called a disinhibiting factors that allows you to remember who you are as being something other than the machine. So I began by saying that human beings are awesomely creative. And one way that people can create or people do create is by wishing. That um, another state of being committed to, but there's a, a kind of wish that doesn't come from your head, but comes from your body, that um, is the same as a commitment, or um, a setting of a space, setting the boundaries of a space. So it's like a creating of a possibility. So when I say I wish, sometimes I say, um, that from my head and there's no power in it and sometimes I say it from my guts and it's 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 um, substantiated by uh, a tremendous um, energetic voting for that as uh, like being the next thing that that's created, or that um, the next thing that comes into existence for me is that I wish. So, there was a speculative fiction writer by the name of Philip K. Dick who formulated a disinhibiting factor that I want to recommend that you use as a practitioner. And the formulation of this disinhibiting factor was this sentence, and I quote this sentence, I wish to encounter 
a disinhibiting factor which will trigger my anamnesia. So this sentence, this statement of wish, is a disinhibiting factor. The problem is that um, such a wish is not included in within the you know within what's possible for a machine. Our, our psychological defense strategy, the machine, does not include this as part of it. So when we are identified with the machine, it's impossible for us to remember to um, to wish for a dis to encounter. It's impossible for us to remember to wish to encounter a disinhibiting factor that will trigger our anamnesia, that, that will actually like lift us out of the domain of the machine and the constraints and the assumptions and the limits of the machine. So, so somehow we want to we want to make available these disinhibiting. The a we want to make it possible for us to access a D factor, the D, the disinhibiting factors, like the re that trigger our anamnesia. We want to have D factors available in our life as a daily, in abundance. We want to have them not neurotically abundant, but abundant so that whenever we are find ourselves in the state of being uninspired or lacking inspiration, then um, just because of the way our life is formulated, that we, that the way we've set it up in our, in our um, inspired state, that we encounter D factors as a matter of course, that will are like a, an alarm clock. We're essentially, we're setting um, alarm clocks for ourselves so that when we, alarm clocks will go off periodically and every day, certain alarm clocks, and when an alarm clock goes off and we're in a state of non-inspiration, that it throws in a, it's, the alarm clock comes from outside of the confines of the machine, so that it's like, um, Oh, it's in a way it's like a uh, you know a door that opens in a wall or a um, oh like a fish hook that's lowered down into the ocean that comes from a place outside of the ocean so that if we if we see the bait on the fish hook that we put there for ourselves that we know that we like that when, and that we and we set this whole thing up when we were in an inspired state so you know we we turn around, you know, we're going about our machine life and all of a sudden we see this, you know, big, fat, juicy worm, which is exactly what we're attracted to and what we would mechanically go for. And we grab the worm and as we're struggling to, to eat the worm, we, did, we all of a sudden find that um, by jerking the fish string, it produces a, the fishing string lifts us out of one state out of the ocean into a, an entirely different state, which would be the air or up on the land or in the boat, would get moved to an entirely different place.
and it's like a uh, and the disinhibiting factor works that way. It's like a it's a it's a a mechanism that we have arranged in our life so that when we are in an uninspired state, we we um, predictably and run into um, one of these de- disinhibiting factors, and we, um, and it, um, we, it, we, we fall into our own trap, and the trap triggers the, our anamnesia that brings us out of the uninspired state into a totally different state, um, and. Um, we're able to move from below the line to above the line in our life again. So I want to get real practical here and very specific about um, what kind of a dis- what kind of disinhibiting factors we can create in our life that would produce this kind of a shift. So we'll just start real simple and we'll just start talking about the technology of disinhibiting factors. So one thing that you could do would be to take this sentence, I wish to encounter a disinhibiting factor which will trigger my anamnesia, and you can write it down on a piece of paper, and you could tape it to your refrigerator door. Now, it doesn't really matter what state you're in, um, machine state or um, inspired state, but at some point you're going to walk to the refrigerator door because you'll get hungry and you'll um, um, there on the door will be this little sign that is a disinhibiting factor and and it will be a, um, an echo you know if you read this sentence that's taped to your refrigerator door and you read this sentence that will be it will not be con- this sentence is not contained within the machine it isn't because it is a direction that leads away from the machine. So this sentence is not included in the assumptions of the machine. So to read the sentence, and it will it will trigger something in your mind that will be from outside of the machine. Now, the machine generally works with words in your head, like the manifestation of the machine like, it's bad, and nothing else is possible. And then repeat. That's the infinite do it. When those, when those, when those, when that is showing up in your life, that, those are words in your head. It's a sentence. And for the most part, the sentence is not conscious. It is something that goes on and functions below the level of consciousness. Now, many times in the event, and in, uh, spark or in our um, support groups or campfire groups what happens is is what we've we're, we're learning the internal terrain the, the territory that, um, of the inside of the machine and making it instead of unconscious we're making it conscious so a number of those sentences that have previously um, been the basic assumptions of the machine life, our machine life, that those sentences have become obvious to us and we are beginning to map them out and recognize them for what they are and go, oh, 
here is the sentence, a decision that I made that formulates my view of the world and which my machine uses or this machine uses to constrain me to this um, to below the line behavior and below the line um, activity that constrains me to feeling as a victim instead of feeling responsible instead of being responsible so um, this sentence does that and so what what happens is, is that the um, the mind uses words and sentences and um, and lives in that domain so that if we are using words and sentences to try to move us from within the machine to an expanded um, state of of greater than the machine or an inspired state that's machineless or or at least contains a machine if we're using words to do this it's going to be very tricky because we walk up to the refrigerator the first thing the machine will do is um, ignore the little sign I mean that little paper has been there for months and months and after the first 45 minutes it becomes invisible to the machine I mean, the machine says huh, not that you know machine says, um, I can't figure that out, or what, what kind of nonsense is that, or what is, what kind of, that's stupid, what is that, you know, stupid, something really uh, useless, or um, some, some game, you know, a child's game, or um, the, the, the machine mind is, is very resourceful when it comes to um, blocking out disinhibiting factors. So, um, simply writing that sentence on a piece of paper and taping it to your refrigerator is an example of a disinhibiting factor, but you probably already have had the experience that such a thing um, does not have a significant chance of, of success because it has because the machine, because it will become invisible to the machine, because it's it's not um, it's not new. It's not a shock. It's not a surprise. It doesn't. So how can you take a disinhibiting factor and make it a surprise or a shock? So, for example. Um, Let's say in the in the um, sleeping in the uh, machine state that you um, have a habit of of um, reading comic books. So one then if you know that about your machine that you just um, spend hours maybe or playing computer games, you know that 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 when you get stuck in the machine state you do that well you could take this piece of paper and 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 write the sentence on a piece of paper and put the piece of paper in your comic book or you could write that sentence um, I wish to encounter a disinhibiting factor which will trigger my anamnesia and put it on your uh, computer screensaver so that it goes across your computer every time you turn it on or that it 
Um, um, but but even though even that, we're still working with words in the head, and it's a very tricky situation to be um, because the mind always has an argument. The machine mind always has an excuse or an argument or a justification or a story that is um, equally as loud in your head and probably more convincing than anything else you could write. So how can you build, when you're in an inspired state, how can you build a life for yourself that has built in disinhibiting factors which um, which you will encounter in a, on a daily basis, but which will not be disempowered um, through repeated exposure. And so, one, one method is by making it a habit of um, recognizing the words in your head as just voices in your head and whenever there are voices in your head you shoot them you blow them up you just destroy them simply by um, imagining yourself pulling out a revolver and blowing them away I mean, it's really simple you just say gone dead bye um, you just make the sound you know explode and um, if it's words, if it's words, it's the mind. And if it's the mind, shoot it. And then, if that's a consistent practice for you, then when the machine mind takes over, it'll be, um, your habit or your tendency will be to shoot it. And it, it will prevent those thoughts or those, um, those, um, assumptions or you know, the blaming, the justifying, the resenting, the I'm right, he's wrong, that whole program from going on. If you can um, just blow them up as a matter of habit, then something else will have to appear. I'm going to turn the tape over now.